August 30th, 2018, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference. The first and only live conference 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives, including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to 10bound.com conference to get your tickets today. That's 10bound.com conference. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of 10Bound at 10Bound.com, David Delaney. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am honored to have my next guest on the show, Mr. Adam Schoenfeld, co-founder and CEO of Sift Rock. How are you doing today, Adam? Doing great. Oh, man, I am excited to get you on the show. If you're not familiar with Adam's story, I don't want to give it away, but this is the man who was a CEO running an entire company and put on the sales development hat for a period of time and knows what it's like to be in our role, in our world, uh, both from an individual contributor and a, and a manager perspective. So Adam, I am excited to dive into your story. If people don't know about Adam and, and what you've been doing, give us a quick download on your background and on Siftrock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I've just been involved in like tech and tech startups for a little over 10 years, I guess now. You know, founded a company that was a total failure at first, then founded a company um, called Simply Measured and, and built that as, as CEO and as founder for about six and a half years. And more recently, went, came over here to Siftrock and I joined, you know, as kind of the ex post facto co-founder, the, the more sales and marketing guy with a, a CTO and have been, you know, building the business here for about 18 months. And what we do is basically we sell into marketing. We sell to people who send like high volumes of B2B email out of Marketo or HubSpot or Eloqua. And we help them manage the email replies. So, you know, when you're sending a lot of email, you get all these bounce backs and you also get real people writing back. And so we have some software that uses machine learning to kind of sort through that and take action and sync data over to their marketing platform. Got it. Okay. So, so, and I know that when you send out all these emails, you get all these out of office replies and things like that. So you guys help to organize and make something valuable out of all the different replies that come in. Exactly, exactly. So part of that is when a real person writes in like a hand raiser, what we do is reroute that to sales. So, you know, if it came back to the marketing inbox, we get that over to the lead owner, which is obviously really important when you get a hand raiser or if it's like a support issue, we can, you know, route that accordingly. So a lot of it's like figuring out what the person said and and routing those emails and then there's a lot of also data work, data hygiene we do. Like if somebody's left the company or if we get a, a signature block in the email, I know we can pick up the phone number, which I know a lot of your listeners probably like, you know, having phone numbers on their, uh, on their leads. So 
a lot of like data hygiene, database maintenance stuff that we can do as well. Oh man, that is that's awesome because I know as an SGR, you spend so much time just like sifting through all that stuff. Well, sift rock, right? You're sifting through exactly all this exactly. stuff to try to make it valuable, and it's like, why not? have a machine do that so that you can focus more on just following up with people. I love it. Okay. So we'll talk more about that. What I want to talk about real quick is the the failure to pivot company. I mean, I think that you can learn so much from failures and things going wrong and like all that stuff. And it seems like that was one of your first experiences in the entrepreneurial world. So Tell us about what was going on and then and then the stuff that you learned from that experience. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I, I talk really openly about this. Nobody <laughs> I, talks this, about this. It's all just... People don't. Yeah. People don't. I mean, uh-huh. I've got plenty of failures to talk about if you want to make the whole podcast about that instead of uh, <laughs> what I did as an SDR. But <laughs> I love it. This was like 2008. I was 27 years old. I, I had had a a great job out of school where I learned a lot, worked with some really smart people. And I was like, I got to this point where I thought I was like, I'll start a company. I, I knew nothing about what I was doing. So I learned a lot of lessons the very hard way. We were able to raise a little bit of money because we were good at making PowerPoint slides and could, you know, <laughs> speak pretty well. But, you know, from there, my fundamental learning was just, you know, finding and latching on to customer pain. I, I think we were too in love with our own ideas rather than what the market actually wanted and needed and where the problems were. You know, so we built things and shipped things, but it wasn't ever, we ever, weren't ever really to get, able to get real traction. Got it. Okay, so this is really interesting. So you had this great day job and you were you know, 27 and it's like the world is your oyster. That's usually when people start to lock down into like getting mortgages and having kids and getting all these cars and stuff. And they'd get like locked into the, the job world forever. But then you in the back of your head was like, I'm going to get into entrepreneurship. Why did, why did you decide to make that change? I think I was just naive enough to, <laughs> to think that I could do it. I don't know. I think I just got really interested in technology and, you know, wanted to create something. I think there was, there was just some drive there. It, you know, thinking back, I was like, why did I do that instead of, you know, going to work for another startup or learning from somebody else? Because I think that would have been a much, it would have been a longer but less painful path to sort of get the same learning done would be to learn from others instead of having to make the mistakes myself. But, you know, I had this itch and I, I had a friend that was willing to sort of go out and, and try it with me. And, you know, I kind of think of it like my MBA. It was two and a half years. We shut down the company at the end. It was super painful, but took a lot out of the experience. You just got your ass kicked and then you went in and took all that knowledge and then you did it again. I mean, are you some kind of master? I guess, like, <laughs> like the, I guess so. I guess because so. I yeah. think at that point, most people would go, Oh, dude, I two and a half years, like, I, I, I got my ass kicked. I'm going to go back to and get a regular job. But you stayed on the entrepreneurship path. Is that right? I did. Yep. Okay, I did why? like a whole one hour on that decision <laughs> on Mixergy like two years ago. It was actually a hard conversation to have. And, yeah, my, my my wife. I was married at the time. My wife was really supportive. I got married young. There were a lot of like components in my life that made it possible, but it was. I've, I think I've always sort of been. I've, I think I've had a pretty good eye for when an opportunity is unique in terms of the people that I get to work with, or the or the idea or whatnot. And there were two co-founders, Aviel Ginsberg and Damon Cortese, at that time. We were called Untitled Startup, and they really. I mean, I thought that was an 
incredible opportunity to go join forces with them and and try it again with what I learned from failure. And actually at Sift Rock, it was similar. It was kind of the opportunity to come here was a lot about Chris, the CTO, and and what I thought I could accomplish by partnering with him. So when I find people who are great in areas that I'm not so good at, or I think that I can you know work well with them, I I, I like to go take advantage of those opportunities. Oh my God, that that's so wise because we, we I think you think that you're great in everything and you're like Superman, but it's the fact is you're great at some things, but you really suck at others. And I'm not talking about you. I'm just, you know, people in general, like you're great at some things. You really suck at others, but the way that you become successful is to surround yourself with the people that are great at those things that you really suck at. Right. Totally. <laughs> kind of a, a lesson that takes a little while to learn, but now that's, that's something I believe in big time. Okay. And then and I know that I suck at most things. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you need to really, you know, put people around you that can, you know, the, the the sum of the parts is, you know, something really special. And, and, you know, when you have it, it's like amazing and you can feel it and the customers can feel it and everybody knows. So the, some people are great at other things. And, and if you suck at everything, you're a perfect CEO because you can delegate everything and just. That's right. You don't I'm actually just... <laughs> have to do anything. <laughs> you realize like. I suck at everything, so I could delegate everything and then just amalgamate it into a report and go, you know, go get the new customer. So, <laughs> so funny. There you go. Now, tell me one other thing. I want to I want to talk about being an SDR. But when you were you were developing these products and you were really excited about these products and you would push them out and then they the need or the pain wasn't there. But you, then you had a mindset change to what is the customer dealing with that I can help with, right? Tell me about that that process. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't understand what it means to be customer-driven or, you know, how to kind of go about solving a problem in the market or, you know, I just thought, hey, oh, you come up with an idea and then you take it out and people will buy it because it's a good idea, right? And I just, it it sounds so simple, but when I was, you know, early in my career and, you know, just kind of getting into tech and, and building software, it just, I didn't understand that. It, it, it's so simple to me now of like where you start the process is with the customer. And that was not where we started our process in my very first company. And, and that was a, I mean, that just led to our failure. Yeah. Uh, you see it a lot. I mean, you like if you subscribe to like TechCrunch or some of those things where these companies come out and they get, they get funding and stuff and you're just like, I don't know, man. I mean, is that something that people really need? But I mean, some of them are successful, others not. I don't know. But it just seems like is is it a is it a product looking for a problem, or is it like something that's honestly solving a problem for people? Exactly. You know. Exactly. And that's funny because yeah. when I I do I do training for SDRs and like we always start. It's like forget about your product. Like just for the first part of the class, like let's start with who is the customer and what are they dealing with. Like how much do you guys know about that? And nine yeah. times out of 10, it's like, not much, man. You know what I mean? And then you start to totally. dig in on that. No, so, it's yeah. so true. The customer, I mean, the customer is the center of the universe. Everything has to start with them. I mean, I learned that really the hard way. And you really have to be objective about what they're saying, what they're experiencing. You got to look at it in almost the most pessimistic view when you're talking to customers and when you're sort of assessing an opportunity. I, I think otherwise you just, you know, you won't win because they, I mean, there's so many things out there now. I mean, and we're in B2B, like it's crazy how much noise there is. So if you don't really understand your customer and what their life is like and what they need, then you're pretty hosed. 
tell me about taking a pessimistic view because I, I think that's something that salespeople get in trouble with. And also oh, yeah. people starting a company, it's like you get happy ears and you want to hear what you want to hear. But tell me about taking up more of a pessimistic view. Yeah, I think when people are talking about either their problems or they're responding to the solution you're suggesting for them to really sort of kind of drill down and and not take their answers at face value. So, you know, an example is like, yeah, I have this problem in my workflow, you know, that's it's really inefficient, it's bugging me. You know, if you just kind of walk away at that point, you're like, okay, I'll go fix that. I'll go build something to solve that. And you haven't asked, well, how big of a problem is that? Where is that in your priorities for the quarter? What's the economic impact of that problem? How many people does that problem impact, right? Like, when was the last time you felt that pain? Tell me more about that pain, right? Unless you're really digging into it, I think you can get stuck, like, taking either pain or positive feedback sort of at face value. And and it's not enough to, like, really justify a solution or a sale or anything. Well, it's amazing because if you're on the receiving end of a lot of software demos from from sales reps, like the, it might just be like one or two questions at the beginning, and then they go right into the like death by PowerPoint, you know, oh, just showing yeah. you all these things. And it's like, uh, I mean, it's cool, like your product's cool, but you didn't like you're talking about drilling down even further than the a great sales rep does. They just keep going you know, trying to figure out what the pain point is. Yeah, absolutely. And so lesson I came across, you know, I come across all the time as a CEO and I'll tell you doing the work out of the SDR for two months actually like lit this up for me again, because it just reminded me that it's not about you. It's not about me at all. When I'm prospecting, it's all about the prospect or the, the lead or the customer. Like it has to be about them and, and what they're trying to do. So it's just a lesson that kind of continues to show itself for me since that first failure company. Okay, dude, this is so interesting because if you think about the sales development world, there's there's inbound and there's outbound, right? And so it's like kind of a different motion based on if it's inbound or outbound, obviously. And yep. then And then, so tell us about, you were a CEO and you sat down. Did you go outbound? And then how did you bring this experience and bring it to the, the SDR job? And then what yep. was your experience with that? Yeah. So the little bit of context is that, so we have kind of inbound, uh, I'm using air quotes that you can't see. We have inbound working. And to me, I, inbound means both organic and paid demand generation, right? Where somebody comes to our site, we use Drift. So they complete a Drift booking, right? And and convert to a lead and, and become an opportunity. Like that's our inbound flow. And we had that working really well. We had some channels that we really liked that were scaling, we were seeing good results, but we didn't really have much of an outbound motion. So actually reaching out to target accounts or personas and you know, trying to schedule meetings and then turn those into opportunities. So it was the outbound side that I was experimenting with. Okay. All right. Tell, tell me, like, what was your whole process of putting that together and then, and then executing on the plan? I wish that it was like more of a plan than it was probably, but uh, I guess at one point I said to Katie, our director of sales, I was like, hey, so should we, should we go hire somebody is, you know, and, and then kind of go from there, you know, we're ready to sort of like light up outbound as a channel. We both agree that that was the right thing to do. And it really was that, that conversation around hiring, like, okay, so let's think about hiring. What's the profile of the role? You know, how's this going to work? How are we going to fit them into the org? 
and you know what are the goals going to be what are they going to do are they going to call are they going to email are they going to use social like all that stuff and we're like wait a sec i don't think we know enough about this to just hire somebody and then hope we're going to be able to onboard them successfully and make it work so i was like all right well why don't i do it for a little bit you know oh i'll do it from dude that is genius i love that <laughs> i love that I don't know if it's genius, but it was, it's like at least slightly crazy. Well, you're talking to a, a sales development geek, right? So for me, it's genius, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like crazy enough that it it actually had like huge positive impacts for me personally. It was great for our business. Like lots of good things came from it. But yeah, that was the, the genesis of it. And then I think we just said, all right, well, I'll just go through end to end. I'll just start with a blank page and then and try to generate opportunities for Katie and learn as much as we can. And at the end of that, we'll know, you know, a lot more about who we want to hire and how we want to structure that and what tools we want to use and what our process will be. And, and that was really the hope just to learn as much as we could. Oh, my God. OK, so so you start you sit down, you got a blank page. Then what then what did you do? <laughs> I. <laughs> I let's see. I'm trying to think what I did very, very first. I think I reached out to Manny at Outreach and said, I need a seat. Can I get a would you sell me a one seat account? So that was pretty early. <laughs> I posted on LinkedIn and asked for advice from people. And that was actually a great idea because a lot of people were like, Oh, this is a great idea. And I was able to connect with lots of people that were very helpful at that point. And then I basically went into, all right, well, I need to reach out to people. So I need to pick accounts. I need to pick people. I'd kind of gone through this once before, you know, as CEO at my last company, we had an outbound team, but I wasn't super involved in the, in the weeds of it. So we had it like at our peak, we probably had like eight or 10 SDRs. And but this was, you know, a couple of years ago. So I was really rusty on it. So I knew at least, okay, we're going to pick accounts, then we're going to hone in our target persona within those accounts, then we're going to get their contact information, then we're going to figure out a way to reach out. So I went, just kind of laid that out big picture and then just started going right into it. Okay. And do you use Salesforce? Uh, no, we don't. We are, you know, we're very happy HubSpot CRM users HubSpot here. HubSpot CRM. Okay. And the reason I ask this is because I was working with a client and we were basically in the same position. They had... They had data, they had outreach, I believe, and they had Salesforce. And it was like, it was a small company with the CEO and like a few sales reps. And we were like, okay, we're starting from zero with the outbound effort. And using those things to put it together from an account perspective, like starting at the account level, it was not, it was not as easy as you would think because everything was oh, kind no. of on the, everything was on the, the person level. You know, the, all the reports and everything, it was like, it wasn't natively set up to go after it at the account level. Did you find that as well? Yes, I think that is a big challenge. And we basically just skipped over a lot of that. I was like, I don't care. I want to do this fast. So okay. we set up a lot of spreadsheets and did a lot of import export between Outreach HubSpot and Excel and other tools that we're using just to just to get going, right? Because you don't need... I mean, I'd encourage anybody who's starting at the blank page, like you don't need a thousand accounts queued up perfectly and beautifully to start doing this, right? You need like, well, one, <laughs> but I'd say like even with 10 or 20, you know, that's, you can get started pretty well. So I just took like a minimum viable product approach to all the data flows, 
it still took a ton of work though. I mean, it still took a ton of, I think it took about two weeks just to get set up. And that was like late nights, like cramming <laughs> data okay. together and trying to get like a, a list that I was comfortable with to start going after. August 30th, 2018, San Francisco, the sales development conference, the first and only live conference, 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Join over 300 of the top minds in sales development for a full day of learning, forging new relationships, and creating the next generation of sales development excellence. This year, we have dedicated tracks for sales development leadership, as well as a track for individual sales development representatives, including a full day of ultra-useful hands-on training. Bring your whole team to get the tools, research, and connections you need to accelerate your career and push your sales development program forward. Accelerate your growth at the Sales Development Conference 2018. Go to 10bound.com slash conference to get your tickets today. That's 10bound.com slash conference. Okay, so you start at the beginning. There was a lot of, it was it was like a rocket, you know, a rocket uses most of its fuel just at the beginning, you know, to get out into space. So you, it took, it was two weeks of like combing through data and outreach and HubSpot and Excel and kind of getting everything to a point where you had a list that was, you know, you felt like it was a minimum viable product. Yeah, exactly. And for wow. us, actually, the account selection part was like pretty trivial because we know. So for two reasons, one, at that time, I want to say we had maybe like 70 customers. Now we have like 130 customers. So basically the world of customers for us, of potential customers is, is very large. So there are like a lot of good targets for us. And the other reason it was relatively easy is because we really only sell to people who use one of the marketing automation platforms that we integrate with. So we could very quickly just narrow down by marketing automation platform and say, okay, these will be sort of our, our ways of segmenting. Okay. So how did you do that? Did you have to use Datanize or some other thing to do that? Or could you figure it out yourself? We used a combination of built with and Everstring. Built, oh, okay. Built with and Everstring. Okay. All right, so so now you've got a good list together and you're ready to go. What was your next step? Next was identifying the people within those accounts. So, you know, we used a combination of tools again for that. We know our, our persona pretty well in terms of titles and, and, and that stuff. So we, you know, got their contact information and then it was writing. So this was, this was like a big area of learning, you know, getting back to that thing of like, it's all about the customer. So I read up a bunch of templates and sequences and things that I would use. And we were planning to do personalization, not not just like automation, which I'm sure we can get into some of the trade-offs on that. that was a, that's a big thing here. So I wrote all these templates that were, I mean, they were really terrible. It was They were like very selfish and, you know, talking about our own product. And I, I was yeah. lucky that, so that LinkedIn post I had written initially, um, Ryan O'Hara from Lead IQ. And um, the guys at Dogpatch Advisors both like commented and offered to help. And I showed them the templates and they said it's super nice, but basically just told me they were terrible. Okay. So I had this immediate like aha moment of, okay, I need to make, I need to write differently than, you know, to, to actually do this for Outbound. Okay. All right. So you wrote these, this, and a theme that I'm seeing you guys, everyone listening to this is Adam asked for help. Like you're, you're not, I mean, you're, I think 
when someone's struggling, you know, one of the first things they do is kind of go into their shell and kind of eat some pizza and like they become isolated. Right. But I think throughout this story, I've got it here. You've asked for help four times from different people and that's available to you. And I think that that's very admirable and, and it makes you more successful. So just a quick point that I wanted to make there. For sure. And, and there's people, I mean, I still only know a little bit about this stuff. So I think that, you know, there's people that are thinking about this all day, every day and each component of how you, you know, can do outbound effectively. So that, that help was huge. And they didn't give me the answer, but they helped me find the problem. Like this is really long or as the prospect, it doesn't really talk about me and my problem or my experience. It's really talking about you and Siftrock too much. And so they helped me identify a lot of those problems and, and, and that was big. Okay. So now, now you're like, okay, now I've identified these problems. What did you do with these selfish templates and how did you get them to be more customer centric? Yeah. So I kind of had this aha moment somewhere in there that I wanted to try making things very short. I wanted to focus on telling my customers stories instead of giving my pitch. So just about every outreach I did had, you know, hey, this is how, you know, Matt at Procore used Siftrock. You know, this is how Devraj, who's a Marketo champion, used Siftrock. And I'd reference his G2 crowd review. And I had like a whole bunch of these either quotes or G2 crowd reviews or case studies that I just w- weaved into like little one or two sentence value props and use cases. So I think like the feedback people gave me helped me get to that, which ha- have turned out to be pretty solid. And we keep using that today. And then the other big one was I got, I had this other aha about personalization, which is, you know, Part of personalization is pretty much just showing the person that you are a real human and that it's not an automated email. And that was a big eye-opener for me because I hadn't thought about it in that way. And so I realized that part of my job in the first like 10 words of a cold email was to just make sure, if I was personalizing it, was to make sure they knew that I actually had put my hands on the keyboard. So referencing a LinkedIn post or a common connection or just something, right? Like finding something unique to that individual. Right. And I think something that, that sales development reps, you know, struggle with is that personalization can be time consuming. So what, what are your yes. thoughts? Is it, is it really important that you personalize every email that goes out or did you kind of find a balance? Yeah, we found a balance. I think it is, it, it, for our business, it is important. And that's because we don't have a huge TAM, like total addressable market. So if, if you have a huge TAM, then you can play the numbers game, I think. But we just, we found that the response rates when there was no personalization were, you know, a third of what they were when we had personalization. Yeah. So we, we felt the risk of wearing out our market was too high to go that route. And we're now, you know, as we scale this, we're, we're really focused on the personalization piece. Okay. So we did test it both ways. And yeah, it, it is the, it's probably the most time-consuming part of the process, right? You open up that record and you get your task in outreach or whatever you're using to send a manual email or, or if, if you're calling, same problem, right? And now I have, to, I have to open, right? I can't just go into value prop. And I might have to go to five different websites before I can personalize something. Like, David, you would be pretty easy because you're prolific on LinkedIn. You have a podcast, right? Like I could personalize an email for you in probably 
60 seconds. But some people, there's just not that much out there. So you do have to dig. Right, right. You'd be amazing, though. I get so much cold outreach that's just canned. And it's like, you guys, come on. Like, <laughs> And what do you do with that? It's like immediate archive. Yeah, I mean, it's just if it and unless it's unless it's like a, a pain that I have at that moment. And it's like super great timing. But that's got to be like 1%, you know, of all those emails. Right. A lot of it is just like, this is totally, uh, this is just spam, you know? Totally. So let me ask you this. So you're going outbound, right? And you know that you need to be customer centric and you need to focus on the people's pain points. And so you're using personalization, but outbound itself is an interruption to the day of someone. You're interrupting their day. I mean, let's let's be honest, right? And the person is working on five other things. They're not necessarily thinking about you calling them. So how do you blend you know, being customer centric with actually interrupting someone's day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's tough, right? I, I mean, I, I do meet a lot of SDRs and SDR managers who that's the, that statement you just made, like basically you aren't the most important thing to your prospect at the moment you reach out is actually something I, I think a lot of people don't understand. So I just tried to take you know, step one is recognize that fact. And then basically, you know, hey, I've got a job to do. I'm not going to be a dick when I reach out. I'm going to be thoughtful. And, you know, if they if they get angry about the fact that I'm interrupting them, as long as I've been thoughtful and authentic and, and written something I'm proud of, I, I'm okay with it. But you're right, it is an interruption. And I'm sure like you and me and everybody gets dozens of these every day. And, you know, sometimes it's annoying. But I don't know. I, I just hope people are, are big enough to just say, eh, this is somebody doing their job. You know, we all have something we're selling in the world and they can choose to archive the email or re- reply unsubscribe or whatever. And so as long as I'm not doing something destructive, I, I was pretty comfort, uh, comfortable with that reality. Yes, I, I think that's that's a really great point. And we're doing our job. This is a business call. You know, it's business hours. Like I, I realized that I interrupted you, but I have something really important that I need to share if this isn't a great time, you know, let's schedule something. I mean, it's, it's, it's easier said than done, but at the end of the day, it has to be done because you can't just rely on inbound, right? Uh, unless you're Slack or one of these companies, like right. you need to go outbound because there's business out there and, and it, it needs to take place. Okay. Yeah. But so, in the psychology yeah. of the SDR, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. in the psychology of the SDR, it is, it is a tough thing to sort of wrap your head around. Like you are sitting there and I didn't quite realize this until I felt it, but you're sitting there just interrupting people all day. And it is a, it is a hard thing to just get your head around and get comfortable with and stay positive when you're, when you're doing that. And I think like leaders inside of the company need to also recognize that psychology and help our teams like be comfortable with it and, you know, both do the right thing so that we're not being jerks when we reach out, but also be comfortable with the fact that we're, we're, you know, we're interrupting people and, and how do we do that the right way? I love that. So, okay. So if you were thinking like, who should I hire to do outbound? Now put your leadership hat on after doing the outbound job for a while, who, who would you want to hire to do outbound for Siftrock? Well, we just did make a hire. She started uh, last week. So, oh, awesome. Uh, okay. We're just Tell us her about it. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we hired, you know, somebody who, you know, showed a lot of creativity, was it had sort of the traits of like, they'll get it done themselves. Like we needed somebody who could just kind of go figure it out. And 
you know, we wanted somebody who was also like pretty customer centric, which is like a, a hard thing to measure, but we just looked at how they, how they had interacted with customers in the past, like talk to them about scenarios. And what, what I was really looking for there is, is empathy is do they, you know, can they put themselves in the customer's shoes? And then I guess the last thing is I wanted somebody who could do research because I found that doing research was actually really, really important for the difference between a, like really good outreach and like average outreach. That's interesting because what are your thoughts on breaking the research role and the calling and emailing role into two parts? Do you feel like based on where, I mean, it kind of, I guess, depends on where you're at with the company, if it's a smaller company that you kind of have to have people do both. But do you mm -hmm. feel like after doing it that they're, they're actually two separate jobs or is it better to have them into one job? I can see it working either way. We're experimenting with that. We use, you know, some outsourced, you know, labor to do some research and we're thinking about doing more that way. But for like really top accounts, I still think there's so much value in the the SDR or the rep opening up the person's LinkedIn, going to their website, looking at what their last webinar was, like just getting a feel for the situation so that they can, you know, kind of build that empathy when they reach out. I just think they'll they'll get a better result. So I think that for us, we'll probably do a little bit of a hybrid where over time we'll, we'll take more of the research and, and give that to, you know, an outsourced team. But I think we'll still always have part of that as, you know, the actual reps job. Okay. And then based on your experience, what kind of metrics are you looking at from a management perspective, like after doing the job for a few months, are you looking at how many phone calls they make, how many emails they send? Like, what are you looking for as far as if you can know if the SDR is doing a good job? Yeah, this might be a little bit contrarian. I don't know, but I, I think I love I, I'm not looking at activity at all because I don't really care about activity. I care about revenue and opportunities. And then I care about sort of qualitative feedback. Like when, if somebody unsubscribes, are they mad? If somebody writes back, are they saying something like, oh, this was really nice, a nice email? Or are we getting, you know, sort of the flip side of that too? So I'm also looking at sort of like, I guess you call it brand impact or you just sort of customer satisfaction, I guess. So those are the two lenses I've been looking at it from. Okay. And so because you know, you're in the beginning parts of this process and you can kind of sit down with them once a week and look through some of the data and say, okay, we're on track or off track here based on those things that are important to you. Is that kind of how you're running it now? Yeah. So we, I would say replies are sort of our leading indicator. Like, are we getting replies? And then that should lead to opportunities and then revenue. So, you know, cause obviously revenue is, it takes a while to really know. So I think the like the week to week is how many replies, how many engaged prospects did we get this week? Okay. And is that tracking so that we can hit our opportunity goal? And then, so is the, is the SDR, I mean, I don't know if you've put this together, but is your thought process like we'll pay, we'll pay a base and then like a kicker based on how many replies they get or how many opportunities they source or how much revenue? How, how do you visualize Yeah, that? We're, we're doing it based on opportunities. So okay. yeah, it's a base and then there's an MBO on opportunities with a chance to, you know, exceed that and, and be rewarded. Got it. Okay. And it's not tied to inbound at all. It's all outbound or is it no. kind of a hybrid? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I mean, for us, we, the way we do inbound is we, we really get qualified 
inbound. So just the way that we target our, our ads and everything. So we don't do have to do a lot of, you know, qualification activity. Okay. So by the time they're inbound, you, you're, they're pretty well qualified, but it's right. the outbound that yeah. you're trying to crack, crack the code on right now. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And so, okay. So I know we're, we're running out of time, but dude, I feel like I could talk to you forever on this based on your experience. And you've given us a lot of this, but are there two or three takeaways that you got from being an SDR for two months? And, and also, you know, how did you manage the, all the different tasks that you have as a CEO at the same time, really focusing on being an SDR? I can answer the first the, or the second question first, because it's just okay. easier to answer, which is <laughs> I let a ton of stuff fall on the floor. <laughs> and <laughs> there's actually a gift in that, right? Because you can, you can really get a sense for what you're doing. That's the most important, right? Because if you, if you take 50% of your time and put it to something that you weren't previously doing, you know, something's got to give. So, you know, the gift there was I got to really understand like which activities and things I had, I could, you know, really cut out and invest elsewhere. So, you know, I, I actually liked that exercise <laughs> in terms of the takeaways. Oh man, I, I get, Yes, my biggest takeaway was just that I think we need to tune in to what's going on with Outbound more as leaders, as like executives, CEOs, whatever, whatever size your company is, whether it's small like Siftrock or something bigger, because uh, two reasons. One, you know, if you're doing any scale, you're just touching tons of potential customers. And I think it's a good idea to know what's going on there pretty deeply, like positive and negative. And two, it's a it's a growing percentage of the workforce, right? I mean, you look at a lot of startups that are hiring, you know, in B two B, and they might have twenty percent of their, fifteen percent of their company might be doing outbound. And I think you want to know what that that employee experience looks like. So, you know, I I didn't expect to you know think it was as important as I learned that it was. I I didn't say that very well, but I think that it's something that needs more attention. It's not just oh, we're going to hire a bunch of people and they're going to hammer the phones and, you know, send a bunch of email sequences this week. I think it's, it's worth like executive teams being really thoughtful about what's going on there. That is such a great takeaway because I think that that, that attitude I, I see in the marketplace is starting to shift. I think that the, there's starting to be an evolution from, hey, just hire a bunch of people, pound the phones, like, well, let's get a bunch of appointments and go. I still see that out there a lot, but that's such a huge waste of resources. You know, human human capital and just like buying all these tools and data and stuff like that without really focusing on it and making it a well-run well-oiled machine you know it's, totally. it's crazy when you think about it and then plus like you're losing all that knowledge that you could know about the marketplace if you're not you know the stuff that you learned when you went out and started talking to people it seems right that's a great point and you learn a lot of that stuff like yeah what are people bringing up as competitors objections what are the questions they ask i mean so much comes up in those those interactions so i think it's it's something to really tune into and i think the pendulum is swinging i think there was a, a little period of time there where I think ABM and outbound and all this stuff just meant like we need to just go, you know, do high volume spray and pray in a different way and, you know, with more people. But I think it's, it's definitely swinging back the other, other way. People are being more thoughtful and, and really sort of understanding the impacts of this stuff and both on the, the employee experience and career path for SDRs and what all that means as well as on the customer experience and how, 
you know, how when you when you go outbound in this way, it, it really impacts your customers. So I, I'm glad to see I think the market is going that direction more. I think it is. And I'm really excited to get you. You're coming August 30th to the Sales Development Conference in San Francisco. You're doing a, a, a keynote to break down some of this stuff. And really excited to get you and meet you in person. What advice would you give to you know, leaders, maybe at the VP or, or CMO level, or even CEOs, as they look at the sales development program, you know, and they're, they're kind of, they've never been a SDR, and they don't really understand, you know, what happens in the whole sausage making of sales development. Mm -hmm. What advice mm -hmm. would you give to them as they look at that, that you've, that you could impart? I would say just listen and read. And I, I mean, like, listen in on as many calls and talk to the reps and, and read the email exchanges. I think, you know, doing that for four hours, you could probably get a really good feel for what's going on. And there'll probably be a lot of things where you're like, geez, I'm not, I don't love the way we're doing that. Or, or why are we doing that? And I think then you can start a conversation with the right people to unpack it more. Oh my God, dude, you just gave me like the worst memory I had <laughs> when I was running sales development team. Every once in a while, the VP of sales would shoot over like an email that he had intercepted or got or something from the SDR team. And like, they're like, what the hell is this? You know? And I just remember my gut just going, oh, you know, cause I, it's like, I'm the manager of the team. Like I'm supposed to know what's going on and they just totally yep. called me out. So, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And that could be good, right? That could be a good thing if it's happening a lot, but you also want to yeah. look at the positives, right. And, and try to build on the things that, that look good in the, in the process and what people are doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's, it's easy to go negative. I remember the same guy used to come by and be like, Hey, so-and-so is playing ping pong right now at like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon like one of the SDRs on my team yep. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, looking at me like what the hell is going on? And I'm just like, uh, you know, I mean, now that you've done the job, you know, like sometimes dude, you need to go play some ping pong. Like, right. If you're, you need <laughs> breaks, you cannot just pound away on this stuff all day. Right. No you're way. not a robot, yeah. but, but you can, you can do that. Like if any leaders or CEOs are listening to this or VPs of sales, like you can do that in a positive way. There's a lot of positive stuff going on. There's also a lot of stuff that needs to be unpacked and improved, but you can like approach that in a positive way. I think so. Well, Adam, dude, this has been amazing. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to meet you in August. And if folks want to get in touch with you, is uh, LinkedIn the best way? Or what's, yep. what would you recommend? LinkedIn or adam at siftrock.com is my email. I'm happy to talk. I love talking about this stuff. I kind of, <laughs> I didn't think I'd get as excited as I did in doing it, but it's it's really fun stuff. And I'm right now, we're onboarding a new rep and we're I'm totally geeking out on it again with her, just going through the process and I think I actually sent out a prospecting email yesterday as well. So I'm still like very interested in learning about this and seeing how, how the best practices evolve and kind of meeting people who are interested. Yeah. Awesome, dude. You're going to have a great opportunity, 300 plus people in, in August to meet and talk about this stuff. So yeah, we'll see you in sure. August. And thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, David. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. 
If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.